Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're recapping everything we saw from week three of the Sunday slate in the NFL. We're giving you what matters most. So we're trying to go a little bit beyond the box score, a little bit beyond the results themselves and say, hey, maybe even the team that lost a little bit, it matters more for them. Or man, this team really looked a lot better than they thought they did. This player could be gunning for an MVP award, an offensive player or defensive player of the year, whatever it is. We are going to tell you what we think mattered most from every single game of the Sunday slate. I am Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys after... After week three's slate of action here in the NFL, if you guys have been following this podcast along, Monday morning means that we give you guys what mattered most, what we think mattered most from every single game of the Sunday slate. Although, I'll, I'll be honest, we are recording this during Sunday Night Football, so we're not going to have the full Sunday Night Football takes. We're going to try to hit on all the rest of them, knock this bad boy out in an hour, give you guys some key points to know about your team moving forward this week. Connor, how are we feeling today, my man? No thrilling Jets win. No to open the show but uh other than that how we doing good plenty of good games still pretty wild sunday slate it this has been a roller coaster three weeks of the nfl there's been plenty of upset action um and a couple teams today had their backs against the wall and really really showed up so it was a fun sunday man it was indeed uh just before we get into these games letting you guys know pff's got a new app if you have an apple device Go to the Apple Store, type in Pro Football Focus, type in PFF, and you can get everything you love about Pro Football Focus right in the palm of your hand. You get the fantasy analysis, you get the betting dashboard, you get all of the articles unlocked that you can see right in the palm of your hand. It's beautiful, uh, it's incredible, and it's only getting better. So go check it out if you guys don't have the app yet. Um, yeah, head to the App Store if you got an Apple device, type in PFF, and uh, it'll be right there. You'll be able to see it. Easy peasy. What game do you want to start off with today, Connor? Let's get right into it. we got a lot to talk about. I, ironically, I just did this in order of the scoreboard because I was writing out notes for each game. So okay. don't don't hate me, everyone. We don't. we're starting with Bears Texans. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, no, but this this does. I actually think this is very relevant specifically to this pod because this is an NFL draft first pod, and then mm -hmm. we obviously do a lot of NFL coverage as well. Trevor, my takeaway from this game, despite the Bears winning in an ugly one is that it's just hard to believe this new regime in Chicago won't look for a quarterback to either replace or challenge Justin Fields. And I hate it, but you're, I think I agree with you. I hate it, but I agree with you. It's week three. I know that's not fair. Cause listen, 
Mac Jones threw quite a few picks today. Nothing's gone right for Trey Lance early in San Francisco, counting health. Zach Wilson hasn't been on the field for the Jets in year two. Trevor Lawrence will get to. He's turned things around for sure. So I know it seems reactionary, but it's the, what's impacting Justin Fields just as much as his play, which has been really, really bad, let's call it what it is, mm-hmm. is that there's a new regime there that did not draft him. They are cle- clearly trying to turn over this team and get more talented. And I just watched that game going, I just... I think at a minimum, they'll take a second-round guy with tools that will be in a competition with Fields. I think it's even looking more likely, though, that they look for their guy. I think it all probably depends where they're they're drafting, right? And that's another issue. If... Cause, cause my big, my one big takeaway is obviously like yours is about fields. Mine is about the bears as well, because as much as there was some fight from the Houston Texans, you and I kind of had that conversation at the end of last week in the Thursday episode, we kind of expected that, right? I mean, like we, we're not these people who think that the Texans are just going to be a completely awful team. Like they're going to be competitive. They're well coached. And I think they're going to give everybody their best shot, but they're clearly not there talent wise. They're definitely in the rebuild phase. So for them to be as close as they were in that game and the games that we've seen over the last few weeks, that's not really the big thing that stands out to me. You mentioned the field fields element. And for me, it, it comes down to them getting this win. Will that actually hurt them? Right. And look, if you're a Chicago bears fan, I'm not telling you to like not be happy if you want to be happy about the win. If you want to be happy about the win, yeah. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure many, <laughs> I'm not sure the Bears are going to get many this year. Be happy about it. But in the grand scheme of things, when January rolls around, we start talking about the draft order and where the Bears are. Do you wish that this would have been a loss? Do you, do you wonder where you want to pick here? And so I do wonder what's going to happen with Fields because. If they're picking, if Chicago is picking in the top five, it's going to be very tempting for them to not go for an option like a Bryce Young. You know the answer to that. And I think they probably pull the trigger on it, right? If they're in a position where Justin Fields has lost them that many games this year, they're going to look to a quarterback replacement. But maybe they're not. Let's say they win a handful of games, and this is one of them that gets their final draft position somewhere between 10 and 20. Well, then you might say to yourself, okay, go with what Connor you just said there we're not going to use our first round pick on a quarterback but maybe a second round pick something on day two to bring in some extra competition but does that give fields that extra year in Chicago whereas if they're picking a lot higher in the draft order that might not happen maybe this is the last year of fields because dude I think the kid is so talented I mean his tape at Georgia was awesome and or not Georgia sorry Ohio State I was thinking I was thinking the, the first step for him yep yep what he was able to do when he was at ohio state was awesome especially towards the end of his career there's so many promising things but it goes back to what i was saying last week he doesn't have the confidence and this week it showed its ugly head again even when they asked him to pass which again was not very many times he took eight attempts this, this week or he had seven he had 17 he had eight completions it just it's 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 not there for him He is playing scared. He is playing hesitant. He's second-guessing himself. It's not a lack of ability. For me, it's a lack of confidence. But sometimes that's the toughest thing to overcome. Sometimes that's the toughest thing to change. So mine kind of goes with yours. I think what matters most is the fact that they got this win and where it all falls in the Justin Fields, what is he in Chicago spectrum. Yeah, I think it's a big conversation for the draft. I think that... You know, sorry, Texans fans, or that, you know, you didn't really hear a lot about your team in this one, or Bears fans, you won the game and you still kind of hear a negative light. But 
part of this show is also looking forward to the off season for the teams that are very applicable to the off season. And I just walked away from watching that. And that was, unfortunately, that was all that was in my brain, to be honest with you. At least, at least Khalil Herbert looks awesome. Oh, he looks great. He looks great. Khalil Herbert's great. I know Montgomery got banged up. The bears can run the ball. The bears uh, look like a well-coached run scheme. They can run the ball. Khalil Herbert's looked great. Even the limited touches he got before this. So there's your, there's your positive bears take. What about Chiefs Colts? Now, I have a smile on my face talking about this game. And that's because, Connor, I'm in a survival pool where there were, I think, more than 50 people in the pool to start oh, the season. Oh, no. Week one the was nutty. I think after week one, there were 13 people left out of. You guys 40. do buyback ins? No, no, we don't. No, like we don't. That. So if you, if you miss it, you're done. And there were like 13 total people. More than half the league that was left picked the Chiefs today. I wasn't one of them. I picked the Eagles. So I, we are three weeks into the NFL season, and I am, I think, one of four people who is still alive in this survivor pool. That's because insane. It's cr- I've never been a part of but anything. But it's been that like kind this. of year early. Definitely. Definitely unpredictable. And, and this result, hell, who would have seen this coming? You know, you got people in the survivor league picking the Chiefs and with good reason, right? The Colts look absolutely terrible. They got shut out by the Jags last week, which shout out the Jags. We're going to get to them soon. Yeah, but I don't think anybody thought that they had a chance even at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Connor, I didn't even think Patrick Mahomes played that bad in this game. No. It was just a weird culmination. of. I, I would love to hear what you think mattered most with this result. What mattered most to me was that the Colts' backs were against the wall, and they found a way by not only leaning on Jonathan Taylor, but that they're a veteran team in terms of their coaching staff and a lot of their key players. And they found a way despite, you know, nobody really expecting them to have a chance. And I think that's what the gutsy, gritty teams do, the annoying teams do. Nothing's really gone right for the Colts to start this season, and they are in a division that is prime for the taking and the Titans backs were against the wall and they found a way today. The Texans lost against a bears team. Once again, that I don't think is very good. So it's a, it's a sign that the Texans are probably going to lose a lot of games this year. And I think Jacksonville is really, really turning the corner. We're going to get there. They're going to be in this battle, but the Colts have a legit chance to still take this division. And they did it against a super bowl contender. And that gives the the most important thing I take away from this game is the confidence that that room will build back up now going into the rest of the season because it's not like they got back on track against a team that, you know, it, it was unimpressive. It was an impressive win that can turn your season around because now you know internally you can go toe-to-toe with anybody. And when they give their best player the football enough touches early in the game, good things will happen for the Colts. So... My my biggest takeaway is is a little bit on yours because it sounds like you're kind of touching on that the fact that like the Colts aren't going to go away quietly like I don't think this is a team I don't think no, Frank Reich no team shot. is going to be a team that's going to really give up so I think the Colts are still going to be a spunky team if you will throughout the rest of the year clearly no matter who they go up against they've got that confidence no matter what and the offensive line is still abysmal what how oh, wow. how dude how is it this bad yeah how is it this bad so I just paid offensive line in football. It's a group that I think a lot of, of these pieces have been together for a while. And it's just like, man, you've got to be able to play with more chemistry than the Colts offensive line has. And, and it just, it, 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 they got the win this week, but it was a very strange game with the Chiefs. And I, I still think the offensive line played bad. 
for as much as I think the Colts aren't going to lay down and they're still going to they're still going to go down swinging on this season even if it's not a playoff season for them that offensive line has to get better has to get better that's just number one for me especially Matt Ryan back there yeah I mean Matt Ryan was already not really a mobile quarterback and now he's 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 old yeah he's starting he's going to start to see ghosts and he's going to start to run for his life but you know he's a veteran quarterback so I guess he wouldn't do that nearly as much as somebody who is younger but something that matters most to me is that even with the Colts getting the win that offensive line is underperforming very badly and it's just that's something that definitely has to get better for them on the flip side of things dude did you see Clyde Edwards-Alaire's stat line for the Chiefs no not the not the box score stat line I'll pull it up right now seven attempts zero yards yeah I mean mean, the Clyde roller coaster has been something in the nfl edwards Hilaire's vision is just not what it needs to be and, and mean, they they short leash him quick like when it's not going right they're like all right you're out of the game but I, that's i mean i feel like you got a short leash jim even beginning of the game man he still yeah. was he still was tied for the most attempts him and jarek mckinnon had uh both had seven attempts i think jarek mckinnon out snapped him in the end so i think that mckinnon still got more work but i don't really know how you trust Edward Gilaire a ton at this point. He got five targets, five catches for 39 yards. So clearly that they they trust him in the receiving game there. No other running back was close to that. So if you want to use him in those situations and lead on him there more, I think that that makes sense. But just the way that he's seeing the field right now and the way that he's seeing where the blockers are setting up, it's just almost like he's scared to keep going up the middle and he wants to bounce everything out to the outside. The Chiefs, for as great as their passing offense is, they need more efficiency from their run game like they've got to be able to get more yards than what we're seeing here Patrick Mahomes led the Kansas City Chiefs in rushing yards today he had four carries 26 yards he had that long 10 yard run but I mean McKinnon seven attempts 20 yards Isaiah Pacheco three carries nine yards um Edwards Lair I already mentioned seven carries zero yards like it's just it's got to be way better than that for as much as this is always going to be a run through Patrick Mahomes kind of a team Edward Jalair, the usage man, it's just it's it it's not there on the ground. And they can't they can't keep trying to square peg round hole it with, with Edward Jalair because he is not giving them what they need on the ground. No, he's not. And you're right. We thought this team would be more balanced this year. And the snap count to your point, McKinnon was in for 30 snaps, Clyde Edward Zalair in for 24, Pacheco in for five. So you're right. It's I mean, this was definitely one of those games where you look at the Chiefs and, you know, as for someone like me that, that was confident as ever in them, I, I they're my only Super Bowl preseason Super Bowl ticket this year. They just this is always the problem we go back to in Chiefs losses, right? Is that like, man, they can't build a ground attack and they have to go so run heavy and and it doesn't frustrating like when we say like a ground attack we're not saying that you gotta like be a jonathan taylor and like give the ball 20 times it just has to be efficient a threat when they hand the ball off which we know they're going to be because that's just how football works it's just got to be a lot more efficient than that i think um can we touch on the jets let's get to the yeah let's jump into jets Bengals. um i have a jets point not shocking so i'll go quick on the Bengals. okay Uh, good for the Bengals bouncing back i I was never really hitting the full panic button for them this team's too talented to be that bad and they played in close games now that my takeaway though from this game is because the Bengals, uh, not i'm not like shocked by anything the Jets right now are not a well-coached team. They are very undisciplined. And that's not what you want to hear in year two of a coaching staff. That trickles mm. down from Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator, Jeff Ulbrich. 
and the veterans on this team, Trevor. They had a third and long that they should have got off the field, and John Franklin Myers gets a roughing the passer penalty, and then it goes for a long drive and a score. They had a drive that they were moving all the way down the field to keep the game going in the fourth quarter, and Corey Davis gets in unsportsmanlike. He gets into a, I believe it was with Eli Apple, one of the Bengals defensive backs, and he, I think he touched his face mask or something, and the ref threw the flag. Like, these are stupid things, and this is why you lose games, and this is why you're not in this game, and I don't know why veterans are that undisciplined, and I think it's an awful look for the coaching staff because it speaks to the fact that guys are just being selfish or not being able to control themselves. And to the latter argument, there was a time where they got a, a stop on third down, and Jamar Chase, obviously very, very frustrated, kind of went at Sauce Gardner after the play. Cause Sauce I was, saw that. And it was like, you could tell Chase was really frustrated internally. I don't think yeah. it was taken out on Sauce. And Sauce controlled himself because Sauce was playing really well, and they got off the field, and it was great, and Sauce just swiped his hand away and probably said something to him, and that was that, and didn't get a penalty. Why is Sauce Gardner displaying that? Why is, you know, Garrett Wilson looks like their best player on offense. Like, mm -hmm. it's disappointing that the staff and the veterans are letting a team down while all the young, exciting players are the reason the Jets are even remotely in these any of these games. That's frustrating. All right, I'm going to ask you this question, and I need all bias aside. Oh, you know me. I don't, there's no bias with the Jets anymore. Was T. Higgins catch a touchdown? So here's my issue. Uh-huh. Shout out CBS. We saw like no replays this entire game of anything. Not to mention in the fourth quarter, I don't know if you knew this. The game went out. The game oh, was damn. out. Oh damn. The game they had so much technical issues that when they finally got the some camera back on, not the normal broadcast camera, the studio was calling the game, not the booth. That's how many technical issues they had. So the one, the one replay I saw, and I did see it circle back online, and I don't really understand the rule fully, as he's coming down, his heel goes out of bounds, but his toes were in. So I don't, kn like, I don't know if, that's, if the heel has to be in, if the heel can't go out while getting that other foot in, then it's not a catch mm -hmm. because the heel came out. Mm -hmm. But if you could toe tap in, but he, sure, what it looked like to me was one heel was out while the other toe was tapping down. But I'll put the full blame. I really never had a good angle of the play. Sick catch. Yeah. Sick catch. There is a, uh, they, they did show a pretty sick angle of it. And it is, it's one of the, it was one of those weird times where like, you look at what happened and you go, he got both of his toes in. But I guess. What's the rule, right? Because his heel went down and yeah. it wasn't a drag catch yeah the technically like he doesn't get in which doesn't really make sense to me that's what i don't get like but... i personally would rule it a catch but i i think the refs to be fair to them or new york does the review back then like they were going by the rule that's apparently how the rule book works right right which... so the nfl this is the king of like we saw what looked like what our eyes tell us but the rules tell us something else uh my one thing that mattered most is is Obviously, if you have any faith at all that the Bengals are still going to be a playoff team, this was one that you had to win. This yeah, is no, no question about it. Didn't matter whether it was in New York, whether it was Cincinnati, whether it was on the moon. You had to win this game. And that's not a slight to where the Jets are going, but it is a reality of where the Jets are. This is a team that won, went to the Super Bowl last Gotta year win. versus a team that picked very highly in the draft the year before. So this is an absolute must win for the Bengals. Uh, the stat line looks great you know you look at joe burrow 275 passing yards three touchdowns zero interceptions i think a lot of that came in the first half when correct me if i'm wrong but it, it and i didn't notice this when i was watching it but 
a lot of people were saying that the Jets were still trying to play single high against Burrow in the first half, and he was absolutely carving them up. And in that second half, he really was not able to move the ball well because they adjusted. They went to more too high safety looks, which, shoot, why aren't you doing that anyways? You're telling me, dude. You know, like clearly Burrow and the Bengals struggle when you put two safeties back there and you put more guys in coverage and you just make things more difficult with more bodies in the secondary. So terrible game for Jeff Ulbrich. Um, just a terrible game for him. Not a good I, look. Yeah. Yeah. He's blitzing Joe Burrow. Anybody who told you you can blitz Joe Burrow, things aren't going to go well for you. And that's what happened to the Jets in the first half. And that's why the second half was much better for their defense. Too little, too late. But it was very nice to see, you know, Tyler Boyd over 100 yards receiving. T. Higgins, 93 yards receiving. If you count that touchdown catch, he'd have been over 100 yards as well. Jamar Chase, 10 targets, only 29 yards on the day. And I think it's really important that the Bengals feel comfortable where they can win a game without Jamar Chase yep. and also without Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon got 12 carries and 24 yards up. in this game. Nothing, absolutely nothing in this game. So they won. They played their brand of football, maybe with a little bit of help of, of the Jets not having the best defensive game plan, but they were able to do it without their stars. And that was that's always kind of been a... I guess a talking point of when people bring up, oh, the Bengals are good. I think they're a playoff team. I'm like, man, if you just kind of commit to shutting down Jamar Chase, they're really going to be able to beat you enough in a lot of different ways. And so it was nice to see them be a little bit more versatile and uh, and get the win there with that one. What, uh, what, what's the next game? What do you want to talk about next? Let's go with Raiders-Titans. Now, another, another team that started out 0-2. They got embarrassed by the Bills. I get it. It happens. The Titans, their backs were against the wall. They've won. But my take is not really about the Titans. My take is about a Raiders team that I really believed was going to turn things around after 0-2, mm -hmm. and I was wrong about this game. I thought they were going to win. Trevor, the Raiders' defense prevents them from ever dictating the flow of the game. Like We could sit here and do Derek Carr this, Derek Carr that, which is always the talking point after any game the Raiders lose. The Raiders' defense, I believe, gave up touchdowns on the first three Titans' possessions. I know the Titans scored... Seven points in the first quarter and 17 in the second quarter. And they were 75-yard drives or longer. These were long, long drives. It's just, it comes down to it. The Raiders' defense is so was so flat in the first half and is traditionally flat in the beginning of games that they can't ever dictate a flow of a game. And it's a hard way to live. You know what? I mean, trust me, I see it all the time. I watch the New York Jets every Sunday. I do the pre and post game. The Jets have this problem. You're never dictating a game. You can never establish the run or, uh, once again, you're never in control. You're never in the driver's seat. You're always just a passenger swimming upstream. And that's what I look at with the Raiders right there. And to have that kind of game against the Titans who haven't been able to do anything makes it that much more concerning. The Raiders have some problems on the back end. I like a lot of the players in their front. Jonathan Abrams not been good. That's no secret, and they have to keep playing him. They're a talented team, but it just it won't go anywhere with that kind of defense. I think my, my what matters most from this game is I went into this year thinking that the Titans would be a middling team in the NFL. I thought that they would win somewhere between six and nine games, probably – you want to go to sweet spot right in the middle of it, seven or eight. I thought that that's where this Titans team would be this year. I thought they would have some games where they really pulled things out, leaned on Derrick Henry, did enough in the passing game, defense would step up enough, but I would never really feel as though they were a true juggernaut or a true playoff team. 
I thought the Raiders could be more than that. I really did. I thought the Raiders could take the next step. I thought the defense could look better. I thought Devontae Adams could really be an incredible spark for that offense. I thought Derek Carr could take the step that we've been talking about as, as him going from that wherever you had him, either good to great, great to playoff caliber, whatever it is. I thought the Raiders could be more than what I believe the Titans were going to be this year. They're not. They don't have a winning identity. Yeah. They don't know how to win. Josh McDaniels does not have that formula. And clearly the rest of the team does not either because they are following his example right now. I'm not saying that that is the case forever. In fact, it often takes a lot of time for not first-time head coaches. I think I said in, in one of our last podcasts, he was a first-time head coach, not a first-time head coach, but really getting the opportunity, it feels like, that you, you, you spend enough time in between head coaching jobs. You're almost like a new man. You're almost like a new head coach. And so I thought the fresh look would be different for Josh McDaniels. And plain and simple, Connor, I thought this team would be better. Yeah. Raiders don't have a winning identity. They're not a playoff team. They're the only 0-3 team in the NFL, by the way. They're the only 0-3 team in the NFL. They're going to win six games this year. Um, And then what? That's the worst part. And it's just going to be an absolute disappointment. And that sucks because I went into this year thinking that the Raiders could really be something more than an average football team. And they're barely even an average football team. So that was my, that's my, that's my what matters most is that as if it wasn't an obvious because they're the only 0-3 team left in the NFL. I'm out on the Raiders. It's not happening this year. I'm very disappointed by him. That sucks. All right, Bills Dolphins. This was just banana land, this game. And what a game this was, man. What a game. Uh Dolphins fans, this is probably the best they have felt in my lifetime since they won the division. It was like the only team, non-Patriots team that won the division in like a 15-year stretch. So good for, number one, good for them. And I say that as a as somebody who grew up a New York Jets fan. Now, putting all that aside, and the Dolphins enjoy this win. You earn this win. The Tua thing was was insanity, but I'm not here to address that. I do have a Bills point. That is mm-hmm. my most important thing to this game. Trevor, the Bills played their first competitive game of the year, and they still had nearly 500 yards of offense despite multiple injuries. Yeah. I, I walked away from this game, and even despite the loss, somehow even more confident in the Bills, like just being a powerhouse this year. I, I just... So many things, and I said it when, because I believe I picked their spread on our Thursday show. I said it back then without even knowing. Yeah, I knew they were injury report. I didn't know both safeties would be out. Not that that changed the game. I'm not using that as an excuse. But they were dealing with even more turmoil than anyone could have saw during this week. And they were still a nightmare. Stephon mm-hmm. Diggs had cramping issues. They were down both safeties. They were down their center. They were down multiple defenders. And the Dolphins are missing players, too, to an extent. Their quarterback had to come out of the game at one point. But I just look at the Bills and go, they, they still look like a juggernaut, even in a loss. Like, it was such a weird way to lose. You're kind of yeah. scratching your head, like, how did they possibly lose that game? I, I don't know. I just, I, it's crazy to say that when the Dolphins deserve how impressive they've been, an impressive win. But I just, it's, I still don't even think they had answers for the Bills' offense despite all of this. My big takeaway from this game or what matters most is that the Bills are a very good football team 
and I think the obviously the Miami Dolphins are a very good football team. My yeah. my biggest takeaway is that both of these teams are playoff caliber. Both of these teams oh, without are a doubt. very, very good. I mean, on a day where what did Tyree Kill have? 33 receiving yards. Miami was still able to get it done, move it on this Bills defense, spread the ball around. Tua, obviously, we'll see what happens with the concussion. Like, did they handle things the right way? But regardless, he comes back into the game and they win it for him. There were so many times where I felt like we were about to watch Josh Allen have a vintage Josh Allen moment in what is an incredible run that we're seeing from him over the last couple of years. And he was going to win this game at the very end for the Buffalo Bills. Didn't feel that way. And you know what happened instead? The Miami Dolphins defense stepped up. Javon Holland should have had an interception. Jalen Phillips was an incredible play on that pass to the flat. Like it's just one thing after another, it felt like the, the Dolphins defense stepped up. Xavier Howard with that pass break up in the end zone, I believe it was on Gabe Davis. Like it was just play after play. The Dolphins defense really stepped to the occasion and the Dolphins did not need a shootout to win a game. They were able to have a relatively low scoring game and still come away with a victory against a really, really good football team. So that was something that really stood out to me. Well, I mean, when you look at the Bills, they had four injuries during the game alone. Kumro, Benford, Bates, Allen, like all of them had injuries during the game. And then they had five heat-related injuries as well. Brown, Knox, Diggs, McKenzie, Van Ruten, like all those guys had like heat-related issues too during the game because it was so damn hot in Miami. So I just it was a it was a crazy back and forth game. Glad that we get to see this again at least once uh this year. I think it'll be a fantastic rematch in Buffalo. But, man, this was a battle of two really, really good teams. And I think what matters most is if you are waiting for Miami to, like, collapse because Tua is their quarterback, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Mike McDaniel is having one hell of a year as a first-time head coach. And Miami is absolutely a team that you don't need to sit here and, and wait for the fall anymore. You just need to accept that I think this is this is a playoff team, one of the best teams in the NFL, and uh, they're a lot of fun to watch right now. All right, let's close out the AFC East here with the uh, Patriots, who played the Ravens. The Ravens yep. took care of business at the end of this game. Mac Jones actually left at the end of this game with an injury. Trevor, I've started most of these, so I'll let you start for this one. Dude, did your fan, like, did you turn your fan off full blast? What's going it on over there? It is monsooning. Oh, it, okay. It, I was wondering it, what that was. Yeah, it hammers my skylight window like nothing. Uh, we are getting a ton of rain in the Northeast right yeah, now. Yeah, to be a two, two, Out of nowhere. It was like somebody just turned the switch on. So we started this pod. This was not happening. No, it was not. Well, I just started and I was like. So apologies to everyone who hear the little pattering. Hey, you know what? To quote all dads out there, boy, we needed this. We really boy, needed the boy, we really needed this one. <laughs> uh, okay, Baltimore Ravens, New England Patriots. Ravens come away with the win. They're two and one on the season, thirty-seven to twenty-six. Uh, obviously, a big storyline is if Mac Jones is hurt. Um, went out in the last pass of the game, but man, I mean, even when he was out there, it was it was an ugly game for oh, him. Boy. Turnovers. He had three turnovers in that game. Um, the ankle injury. Bill it just came in, Trevor. It is what? a high ankle sprain per Adam Schefter. Okay, okay. He will undergo an MRI on Monday to confirm the diagnosis and the you know how severe it is. That high ankle though is guys miss usually a couple of weeks with high ankle. We'll see what Mac. Oh, and I, I mean like you 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 say they miss a couple of weeks with the high ankle, but like I've had players tell me before like if doesn't go away high, if you have a high year. ankle sprain in the in the season and you play on it, it will never go away. Like no. your ankle will never be hundred percent. You need an off season for right. It. 
Right. So that's not great. Not great. But the storyline for me, as it has been, I feel like the entire season, Lamar Jackson, dude, he's unbelievable. He is one of one to me. Um, Beyond the stat line, I just feel like what he brings to the game, he is so comfortable in the pocket now. He is so comfortable in the pocket now. Everybody's like, oh, just make Lamar Jackson throw, and he can't beat you. It's a stupid narrative. It's dead. Please don't bring that up anymore. Jackson is a phenomenal passer. He's more confident than ever, and when he needs to, he'll be that weapon with his legs that he was or that we have seen really throughout his entire career. I think that Lamar Jackson is, if he's not the front runner for MVP with all the statistics that he has been able to garner so far three weeks into the season, he's in the top three. There's not many, there's not many other quarterbacks in the NFL that I think you could have replaced Lamar Jackson with in today's game for the Ravens. And they have that result. I mean, the Patriots scored a lot of points. They scored 26 points despite the three turnovers from Mac Jones. So my biggest takeaway is that the way Lamar is playing, will give the Baltimore Ravens a chance to be anybody, any week. I think they are absolutely one of the best teams in the AFC. Feels like a repeat of what I've seen said over the last couple of weeks, but it is true in a what matters most segment. It is another week that is another step in the right direction for Lamar Jackson to win his second MVP trophy. He was unbelievable today. And um, I don't know, man. I just love I just love to see it. He's such a special talent in the league. He really is. I'm I'm fully on board with you on that one. I have a Patriots angle here. For me, not even just the injury, but that felt like the pinnacle of all of this. Every time I watch New England, even if they're in a game, I just can't come away with anything, but it feels like they have failed Mac Jones going into this year. It's He doesn't look like the guy from last year. He had three interceptions. I believe he had four or five, though, turnover-worthy kind of throws. So Ooh, this yeah, could have easily this, this could have been easily a four-interception game. He, obviously, plenty of sacks. I don't think the offensive line is good as it usually is, and that a lot of that is the coaching. I don't think that he has a true quarterback guru in his ear in year two. I'm just confused by this with New England. You knew Josh McDaniels was going to leave again eventually. What do you got, Trevor? Dude, he had six big-time throws. I mean, he had he six also, big big time throws and four turnover worthy plays. Devontae yeah. Parker had some big time plays in this game. He had Absolutely. six. He played like a very off. It, it was not Mac Jones brand of football. Not Mac Jones brand of football. And listen, <laughs> yes, he, he had some great throws, but he they are just not supporting him the way that they should. That's my biggest takeaway. And it's not something to me that I think is is something they'll fix this season. I really think I don't really like a supporting cast, despite Devontae Parker having a big game. I don't think it's a an overly impressive supporting cast. I don't think the lines played very well. And I think Mac is forcing things very out of his typical nature because of that and because of the lack of a true offensive mind coaching him up. So I, I'm just the Patriots offense has some problems and it's it's hindering his development. All right. And now uh, he's hurt. Lion, Lions Vikings. Uh Vikings win this game. Mine's pretty simple here. Okay, yeah, go ahead. The, the you, Vikings you... win this game. This one's pretty simple for me. I'll be quick. The Lions are a really fun young team, mm-hmm. and they're also going to lose some heartbreakers this year, mm-hmm. but they're going to grow from that this year. It's the way the team is built. The defense has its ups and downs. Specifically in the secondary, they have some problems. They're developing young talent up front still. I think Goff has been very, very efficient. Their rush attack, it's a two-headed monster, not just swift. People kind of slept on what Jamal Williams can be in that offense. 
The Lions offense is insanely consistent, which is a odd phrase to come out of my mouth. It feels weird to say it. I'll say it again. The Lions offense seems extremely consistent and sustainable. But I think a, such a young team, still a young coach. Dan Campbell is new to this head coaching aspect. They are, once again, going to break your heart at times. But it's because they're in a lot of games that they're not fully ready or typically in at this point. And they're going to learn how to win. And I think they'll lose a lot of these close games this year. They'll win maybe seven games. And then next year, they'll flip those close games and become a 9 or 10 win team. Today was tough. I don't mean to. I don't. I don't mean to. Because they were in control to, for most of the game. I don't mean to glorify it, like turn the Lions into like you know Ted Lasso and and all that too much. But honestly, the Lions should have won this game. I thought that. Yeah, I agree. Jared Goff played better than Kirk Cousins for most of the game. The Lions were three for three on fourth downs in the early parts of the game, and then that's how they were able to gain the lead. That's how they were able to take control. And it came down to that field goal at the end where you've got a situation where you can go for it, you can kick a field goal, or you can punt. Uh, field goal was the wrong decision in, 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 against any of them. If you punt it, Vikings didn't have a timeout. There wouldn't have been a ton of time left. You're making them go that much further uh, in the game. And then, of course, if you go for it, if you get it, the game is over. You can be a little bit more aggressive there. And, hey, if you make the field goal, guess what? You're only up six anyways, and a touchdown still burns you. When, when teams are down by only six points and they know that they need a touchdown, they, they call game plans differently. They're more aggressive in what they do. And they typically move the ball a lot better. So it was just, it sucked to see this game end this way. Dan Campbell is learning just as much as I think the rest of the players are learning. I hope that he learns it in the best way because this one was tough. I think he made some aggressive, cool decisions early in the game, like I mentioned. But this last one is just going to come back to bite him, man. And Win, that's what I think is hard in the NFL. It's going to, it's going to hold the, uh, it's going to hold the lions back from being that dream team that we all want them to be saints, Panthers, Panthers get off the schneid 22 to 14 in this game. Really the saints were never in competition. It felt no. like as, as strange as that is Baker Mayfield stat line, not great. 12 for 25, 170 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Christian McCaffrey, 25 attempts, 108 yards, another 100-yard game for uh, for McCaffrey. LaVisca Chenault led the team. This is so ridiculous. LaVisca Chenault led the Carolina Panthers in receiving. Had 90 yards receiving. Just Six, like we all thought in the Panthers' offense. 67 of them came on that one, one play. Okay? Yeah, one, yeah. And the next leading receiver for Carolina was Shai Smith with 22 yards. This Panthers offense sucks. It's so bad. But my one thing that matters, if we're going to go with the Carolina side, is I love this young Carolina defense. That's they where I was going. They are very talented. You've got guys like Chid. You've got Frankie Louvu, who we've talked about on this podcast before. You've got Brian Burns. Derek Brown hasn't even come to fruition yet, and I think that he could be extremely talented. You've got J.C. Horn. You've got Yeter Gross Matos. You have so much great young talent. Marquise Haynes picked up a fumble and a scoop and scored, which is cool to see. This defense, there is something to it. I think Matt Rule's done in Carolina after this season, but whoever's taken over this group is going to have a young, talented defense. That's a big takeaway for me. 
Yeah, I, my mine was J.C. Horn is such a stud. He didn't allow a catch, and he had an interception, game closing interception. Uh, I think I think J.C. Horn's going to be a top three corner by the end of the year. So that was my really good Panthers takeaway. My really bad one is on no universe when you're, especially when you're struggling on offense, should DJ Moore finish the day with one catch for two yards? And we're reaching the DJ Moore point. Like what, like what is DJ, but thank God he got paid. What is DJ Moore's incentive to stay there? If this goes on Trevor week one, three for 43 week two, three for 43 week three, one for two yards, one for two like that. I just don't understand how this is happening. The guy's 25 years old. You're paying him $20 million a year. What is going on with the, with DJ Moore and the lack of usage in this offense? I'm so gonna at, I'm gonna look up his threat percentage because I, I I bet I'm gonna cry. DJ Moore. Yeah, it's tough. But DJ Moore on the flip side, their defense threat percentage, is awesome. Threat percentage, which is to say, it's target share, right? That's essentially what it is. How often are you being targeted when you are running a route as a receiver in the offense? Fourteen point four percent. Not not good. Not no. good, man. Ian, Ian Thomas has a higher threat percentage. Ian Thomas. Guy Smith has a higher threat percentage. Robbie Anderson has a th- higher threat percentage. Giovanni Ricci has a higher threat percentage. I don't they're, know. They're using DJ Moore as a certified decoy. Yeah, $20 million to be a decoy. That's tough. Uh, on the New Orleans side of things, Saints maybe aren't who we thought they were. Offense kind of stinks, huh? Offense kind of stinks. When you think about it, probably shouldn't have beaten Atlanta. I don't want to take anything away from me. You know, it's tough. It's tough enough to win in the NFL. I always feel really weird saying about that. I don't want to. I don't want to take anything away from teams, but they absolutely blew it in the first half of that game. The Falcons should have been able to hang on, even for as I think the talent discrepancy favors the Saints. They probably should have lost that game. They lose to the Buccaneers in a tight one. They always play the Buccaneers really tight, and. Now they drop one in Carolina. It's not good. Shut it's, out the first three quarters. Not good, man. Uh, Olave, huge day. I was going to say, shout out Chris Olave. Back-to-back yeah. games in which he has had 13 targets. Love to see that. He's going to finish the year with like 8,000 air yards. Chris Olave. Brother Jameis is still going to let it fly. Jameis is going to let it fly. Win or lose. The man's we respect that aspect of his game. All, All right. right. Uh, yeah. Hold on, we got a handful more games before we get to that. Yeah, gotta yeah. Talk to our, remind the good people. We got to remind the good people about our friends over at DraftKings. NFL action is in full swing here in DraftKings Sportsbook. The official sports betting partner of the NFL is here to get you ready for all of it. We're talking touchdowns, we're talking big plays, and now even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL game to win $200 in free bets if they do. That's not enough. Now everybody can boost their winnings with DraftKings step-up same game par lays right now for every leg that you add you can boost your winnings up to 100 percent with payouts bigger than ever why bet on football anywhere else absolutely no reason to to make things even sweeter now you can throw down on the stepped up same game parlays once per day all season long download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use the promo code pff to get 200 dollars in free bets if your team wins when you place that $5 bet on any football game. Promo code PFF, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age required, or minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. What's next? I didn't mean to cut you off. Where are we going? You were on a roll. No, it's okay. While you're doing that read, somebody just uh, tweeted at me. Jeffrey Swanson said, Connor, the Mets outscored the Jets today 13-12. to 12. And he's like, he's, he's absolutely right. 
Shout out to the Mets taking care of business in Oakland 13 4, <laughs> outscoring the Jets. <laughs> Welcome to my life, folks. All right, next is the Eagles against the Commanders. Oh, yeah. And your rant on Lamar is basically my rant on Jalen Hurts. And I'm pretty excited for these guys to meet up for the, you know, to ultimately be in an MVP race together. I just, Jalen Hurts is in the thick of the MVP combo. And Jalen Hurts' development is something that is wildly impressive. The comfort in the offense. I know the commanders have had their struggles on defense, but you don't control who you play. Trevor today, three passing touchdowns, 340 yards. Um, he had two big time throws. He didn't really need to be a hero, but he's just fully in command. And guess what? The offense is really, really good, right? I mean, he's got good talent around him. Devontae Smith had a sick catch leaping over two defenders. Yes. Jalen Hurts' comfort, though, in this offense is what's turning the corner for me to be a full believer is the fact he can run, he can throw the ball down the field now, but he always looks extremely, extremely comfortable. And this was one of those games on a busy Sunday that was never a game. They scored 24 points in the second quarter, and then the commanders scored their only eight points in the fourth quarter. This game was never, ever interesting. Yeah, the reason why it was never interesting is because Philly had, what, nine sacks? Yeah. Absolutely. Carson Wentz, I think, had like two yards, felt like, for the first half. Dude, it was crazy. Nine sacks. Uh, I, you know, when I was watching, I, I, I didn't see all of them. I haven't re- reviewed all of them, but I was watching this game coming on red zone and, and flipping back to the game. Cause we had people that I was watching it with big Eagles fans. So they had it on their computer. So I was kind of watching a, a decent amount of this one. And every time that Wentz got sacked, I'd be like, Oh, was it on the offensive line or Wentz? And we'd watch him be like, yeah, I mean, a little both. Like, but Carson's <laughs> obviously like hanging on to the ball a little bit longer than he should, which he normally does. But at the same yeah, time, yeah, plays. Like, Right side of the offensive line for Washington was not doing him any favors on some of those sacks either. So the offense is kind of a mess with the commanders there. You got to be able to protect better. You can't be taking that many sacks, no doubt about it. I love the triple-headed Batman combo at receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. Darius Slay said about the Eagles wide receivers, AJ is swole Batman, Devontae Smith is skinny Batman, and Quez Watkins is fast Batman. And the reason why he said that they're all Batman love the description. He says that there's no Robins. There's no Batman and Robin. It's just all Batmans in the receiver room. So they're all the heroes. They're all the main characters. And, man, certainly today, Devontae Smith, eight catches, 169 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown, again, five catches, 85 yards and another touchdown. That group is allowing Jalen Hurts to play with a ton of confidence, which is elevating his performance to a potential MVP level. So that's great to see. The Eagles, again, that's what matters most in this game. The Eagles look like an absolute powerhouse of a team. And the interceptions they got the the week before from Darius Slay's performance and this time the sacks, being able to get to Carson Wentz. This defense is flying. They're playing confident. And they've got a quarterback who can really make things happen and be in that MVP conversation. Uh, Dude, speaking of quarterbacks that are on the rise – Brother, uh, our Jaguars, America's Jaguars. Team of the podcast. 38-10 against the Chargers? Slaughter. Holy smokes, man. Trevor Lawrence looked awesome. Now, there have been flashes of Lawrence looking good so far this year, but he, he is putting it all together now. How bad of a head coach is Urban Meyer? Like to to make Urban, that place look that bad. Urban's got to be like the worst NFL head coach of all time, right? I the think worst so. of all time. The worst. I of think all so. Time. 
I think so. I don't have the other candidates of worst head coaches of all time, you know, at the top of my head. But I can't imagine it's any worse than that, especially what we're seeing Doug Peterson be able to do with this team. The defense is young, but they're playing well. Trayvon Walker looked awesome again today, really showing why Trent Baalke picked him number one overall. Love the potential, love the athletic ability, so many different things that you could do with him. Devin Lloyd got his first interception. The defense was just flying around at all three levels, I felt like. And, and we're seeing shoot, James Robinson it comes back from his injury. It he looks, looks incredible. amazing. 100 yards rushing, Travis Etienne, 13 carries, 45 yards. And Zay Jones out here getting double-digit targets, double-digit yep. carries, 85 yards. Christian Kirk continuing to be a monster there. Jags played so, so well. But there's there's no doubt about it for as well as the Jaguars played and how, shoot, man, maybe they'll win the AFC South. As much as people have joked about it early on, maybe they end up will winning that division, will win that division. Chargers. It's not good. Well, the Not injuries good. are just uh, their charger charger injuries like no other again. Herbert obviously is hurt. Yep. Okay. So like we have to take that into account. But I don't know if you saw the quote. Somebody asked Brandon Staley, hey, why was your injured franchise quarterback still in the game down 28 when it was clearly out of reach and you had no chance? And he said because Justin wanted to be out there with his teammates. No, that you got to protect him from himself at that point. Admirable, You're the adult. Come on, man. Come on. And, you know, there were – yeah. So, I, I – Chargers are, Chargers are kind of in trouble, I think. As long as Herbert is hurt, I think, I think they're kind of in trouble here. What did uh, – I'm looking up the status of Rashawn Slater ultimately. Oh, yeah. I didn't see – I know he went out of the game. I didn't see what the final injury was. He went was. to the locker room. I know Bosa got hurt. Bosa did get hurt. I mean, just a disaster day for the Chargers. So it was biceps for Slater. I never like to see that. Oh, Jason Jackson was out too. Obviously, Keenan Allen. Jason Jackson has been fighting injuries since he signed with the Chargers. The Herbert thing is not good. That you got to get him out of the game, but you don't. He doesn't make that decision. As simple as that. He doesn't make that decision. Just never set the coach of the team. So on to happier times. Trevor Lawrence, um, twenty-eight to thirty-nine. Two big time throws. The three passing touchdowns. Only one turnover worthy play. And you know what? Give the give the Jaguars credit where it's due when they got dunked on and clowned in the offseason. Christian Kirk and Zay Jones signings look pretty good right now for Jacksonville. Chargers next couple of games here is actually it's actually pretty good. So they might actually be okay here to get a little bit more healthy because their bye week is week eight. And up to the bye week they got at next week. This is starting next week at Houston, at Cleveland, versus Denver, versus Seattle. Boy, that's, that's one of the softer patches of NFL scheduling I've seen. That's yet. about as that's about as soft as it's gonna get, I think, for teams. So right. they got There's some hope. time. They got some time to figure this out. They got some time to get more to, to get a little bit more healthy. But shout out Jags, massive win for our Jaguars. Rams Cardinals. I, I went a little off the board here because this wasn't a game that honestly particularly interested me. Um, from number one, the game script and just overall. The Cardinals are just, I hate to keep saying it, but they just feel like the Titans of the West, don't they? They feel like the Titans of the West. Like, they had a lot of good vibes last year, a lot of on-the-rise vibes. Then you look at their roster and their situations, and you just know they're going to be a regression team this year. Despite all of that, my takeaway from this game that might not be the most important thing, but the one thing I wanted to shout out is 
How about the road for Greg Dortch in the NFL right now? This is somebody who, at, coming out of Wake Forest at 5'7", 173 pounds, yeah. was undrafted, was cut by the Jets after his first training camp. He was signed off the Jets practice squad by the Panthers and cut. He was on the Rams practice squad and cut. He was on the Falcons practice squad and cut before training camp even began. Then he makes it into camp with the Cardinals and gets cut, goes back to the practice squad in 2021, has three catches for 15 yards last year, nothing crazy. He has to play because they're dealing with a million injuries and Hopkins suspension this year. Dude, he's like good for 8-80 and every single week at this point, Greg Dortch. So despite this game... You know, not really getting a lot of publicity and the fact that the Cardinals are clearly in a tough regression year where they're going to have to make a really brutal decision from top to bottom about their organization. Greg Dortch is quietly one of my favorite stories in the NFL right now. No, it's I mean, it's, that's a really good shout out. It's I didn't get to catch a lot of this game, so I'm not going to have like a like a major take on it. Honestly, the Cardinals holding the Rams offense to just 20 points, I think without context, without knowing without really seeing most of the game, I was like, man, okay, that that's, that's manageable. Dude. Kyler Murray threw the ball 58 times and they scored 12 points. That's how is okay. that possible? Like how, how is that even a thing? He threw 58 times. He had 12 points. Marquise Brown had 17 targets, 14 catches, 140 <laughs> yards. Greg Dorch, you mentioned nine receptions, 80 yards. I, I just, you, it's got to be more points than that. I got to go back and watch this one. I want to. I don't want to say like anything too definitive. Obviously, I wasn't really bullish on the Cardinals going into this season, anyways. But man, how is Kyler throwing it fifty-eight times? And you only have twelve points. That's a failure to me. That's that's a failure. You've got to be able to score more when you when you got that many passing attempts. I I think that DeAndre Hopkins might have to just come in and save this team. Yeah, he will. But can you count on him at this point in his career to do that? I, I mean, they have to, essentially. Yeah, they have to. They're one and two. What's the Cardinals? Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, pull up their schedule because it's, that's going to dictate a lot for them. Let us see. All right, next four games for the Cardinals. At Carolina, red-hot Panthers coming off the win. Surging. Uh, versus Philadelphia. That's going to be rough. At Seattle versus New Orleans. I, not, I mean, I don't. I'm not, like, jumping for joy. I'm just yeah. not a believer. I'm not a I'm believer. Not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm well, let's go right to Seattle then. Okay. Okay. Falcons, Seahawks. Yep. Trevor, you and I already did this one off the air. Now yep. we'll do it on the air. It's very simple. <laughs> Mr. Arthur Smith, you're not trying to win fantasy games. <laughs> you're trying to win real games. Yeah. Guess how you win real games. Yeah. You factor in the guy you drafted at top five that is a unicorn tight end. I don't know what else there is to say with this team. And Cordero Patterson may be the most underrated player in the NFL. He had that breakout year at 30 years old last year. Nobody cared. Nobody cared at all. Even going into this year, I saw in fantasy drafts. Nobody cared. He's been incredible this year. But what got the Falcons running hot in the first half where they had 17 points was that they featured Kyle Pitts. It was that simple, Trevor. Keep doing it. They have a really nice trio of... Skill guys. They really do. Yes, that are versatile. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Cordero Patterson. And I think that when you involve a mix of those guys, look, Kyle Pitts led the team in targets. Drake London had a touchdown. 
Cordero Patterson had 17 attempts for 141 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, it's going to be great anytime that's the case, but that's your recipe for success right there. It's just got to be a three-headed monster, and you got to find a way to balance that out and get the most out of those guys. Ultimately, I don't have a ton of faith in the Seahawks or the Falcons to make a ton of noise this season. I think we're going to talk about these teams more as we shift more towards the draft focus. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm looking at the box score, trying to be reminded of things that really stuck out to me, but... For me, it was just more of the Falcons. They've got to be feeding that three-headed monster. So that's kind of my that's kind of my take on this game. I don't no. I don't I don't really have much to say on Seattle because that no. was man, those were the Rams and the Cardinals game and then the Falcons Seahawks game were the two games that I watched the least of this week. Well, no better way to close out the show by going to you on Is the there Bucks no game. better way? Well, sorry. I you're two and one. It's gonna be okay. Okay. Um Green Bay wins against the Packers in a bit of a thriller. Yep. 14 to 12. Yep. They stopped a two-point conversion at the end of the game. Yep. I mean, my real takeaway here is, and I have a Packers take, but I'll go after you speak on the Bucks, is that, mm-hmm. man, were the Bucks really undermanned in this game. And it just it was just obvious. It's, it's sometimes football is that simple, dude. My take, my my take with I'm I I'm trying to be as not biased as possible, but when the Buccaneers get Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Julio Jones and Donovan Smith and maybe Ryan like maybe even Ryan Jensen at some point in the year, when they get all of those players back, this is a Super Bowl caliber team. It's not the same team, yeah. Well, and, and, and brother, Tom Brady is incredible, incredible. What this man is doing to make chicken salad out of chicken shit right now that he has to work with on that offense is nuts. That last drive that they had to even score that touchdown was surgical. Was just it was it was it was surgery. Well, it was trust me, I've seen it forty million times in my magic. life. And he's throwing to guys that can't separate, that aren't running the right routes, that are in and out of the game. Rashad Perriman somehow the football, still on an NFL field. That are fumbling the football. He's throwing the ball to all of these players. He doesn't have extra blocking when it comes to the tight end room because Otten wasn't there and Cam, Cam Braid's not much of a blocker. That left side of the offensive line, he's playing Braden Walton, who's offensive tackle four on that team. Luke Gadecki is a rookie playing at left guard. The center, Robert Hainsey, is in for an injured Ryan Jensen. Like, it, it is unbelievable to me what Brady is still able to do there. And I'm trying to not say this, like, super biasly, but I, we cannot judge this Bucks team at all whatsoever until they get No, and you're not, I th- I, not We biased. will really be able to, to judge this Bucks team, I think, from week eight on. The second half of the season, to me, is all that really matters for the Buccaneers because they're going to win enough games to get in the playoffs – from what the Saints look like early on this season, it looks like they're probably going to coast to the division title. So they're going to have that. It's just a matter of how high of the a seed that they can get and how healthy they can be at the end of the year. For the Packers offense, it finally looked great to start the game. They went down. They scored on their first two possessions. Romeo Dobbs looked awesome. Aaron Rodgers, he and Aaron Rodgers' connection looked absolutely fantastic. But I will say that things really started to cool down for them after that. Todd Bowles, I don't, I haven't seen the all 22 film of it yet, so I can't tell you exactly what they did. If they changed some coverages, if they put some different guys in there, he was able to really adjust and shut him down in the second half of that game. But at least they started off hot, and that's something that's it's encouraging for the Packers. And look, going into Tampa, no matter how beat up they are, I think is a big win for uh, for the Packers. So hat off to them. But man, I just can't wait to see what this Bucks team is going to be like when they're actually healthy because it has not happened yet. 
they feel a little bit like an NBA team that's just like we just got to get in the playoffs and then we're yeah. gonna we rested we rested who we can or got who uh, got everybody right who we can. You know, of course, shout out to the Packers defense. They did take care of business in this game. My Packers takeaway was the Romeo Dobbs breakaway is breakout is so important for this football team. And I'm glad it happened week three rather than like, oh, it's week 10. We've been waiting for this after the summer of Dobbs. So for him, 873, a touchdown, eight targets. Uh, He caught all eight of his targets. You know, nobody on this team had more targets than him. He was by far the most productive receiver. I don't care when Sammy Watkins is back. I, I don't care. I This is harsh, but as a guy, and I know you were with me, Trevor, that told you in the spring every month that Christian Watson was a developmental prospect that probably needed a redshirt year rather mm-hmm. than a featured role year. I don't want Christian Watson really even cutting back into Dobbs' workload. Run Dobbs out there. Rodgers likes him. Rodgers speaks highly of him. He shows you he trusted him. Romeo Dobbs is ready to be the number one wide receiver for this team. And he might not be like the true one where he's getting so much more targets than everyone else. But to be a 1A of this offense is going to go a long way for Green Bay to get the ball rolling again. I would agree. I would agree. It's going to be huge for him. And they definitely need him. Folks. Before we get out of here, No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pickup contests versus other people with a shot at winning $250,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, and earn points for correct picks. Climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and times 20 your entry if you hit all of your picks bet up to five player props over unders or individual player matchups across all major sports leagues including nfl nba mlb pga mma nascar everything sign up with the promo code stock to help out the podcast at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app go to the app store to get the first deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports. Redefine because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. And you won't want to miss out this. Check them out, nohouseadvantage.com. There we go. That is what matters most. That is Connor and I's instant reaction thoughts to everything that we saw on Sunday in the week three slate of the NFL. Tomorrow, getting back to our roots, turning back the clock to Saturday and college football to give you a little bit of stock up, stock down as we have done all year long. I think we're going to be a little bit more organized about this in a couple of weeks once we really can start to turn the page towards creeping into, all right, it might be draft season coming up soon for a couple Appetizer of- season, yeah. So it would be whores divorce season for some of these. But, uh, dude, it was a very interesting college football Saturday. And I already know I have a handful of guys that I'm bringing to the table with some stock up. And unfortunately, there's a couple of guys where I'm like, oh, man, maybe we do have to press the brakes on a couple of these guys that we talked about throughout the summer. But we're going to give plenty of hype as well because that's what we're doing here. We're shedding a lot of light on some new guys that you need to look at. You need to put in your rankings. and You need to get some eyes on uh, for the 2023 NFL Draft. That's tomorrow on Tuesday. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. We will see you guys then. This has been the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast.